Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how are we doing today on this scorching hot uh, Thursday? Doing great, Carson. We are playing with fire. So here's the situation as we begin this podcast. I have got the 10 and a half week old baby on the floor next to me. At the moment, she is very happy. My wife had to step away for a few minutes. So we are just going to see if this baby, which has been napping for about three hours and just woke up, starts screaming before my wife comes in here. And if she does, everyone will know. Oh, dear. I I don't like our odds at all. (laughs) She looks remarkably happy probably because she just napped for three hours it was uh it was a very peaceful three hours okay well we'll try to get through this quickly so we don't disturb the baby uh <laughs> uh before we get to we got some college football to talk about mike gundy did a really great podcast with our man dave hunziker he said a lot of interesting things we'll get to that big 12 ballots are out to the media as well i want to get colby's thoughts on where he would rank the big 12 teams if uh you got the ballot in his inbox but first they're from chris university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to shop at chris university spirit com. We appreciate Chris's sponsoring the pod as always. And soon enough, it'll be football season. So when you're in Stilly uh, this summer or even in the fall, be sure to stop by Chris's and uh, support the podcast. Tell me, listen to the podcast when you're in Chris's as well. We always appreciate our listeners. And uh, Colby, we do have some football to get to. You know, Mike Gundy, I mentioned he was on a podcast with Dave Hunzacker. Kind of the, uh, the big headline that came from this was he called Spencer Sanders quote, the most underrated quarterback in the country. And to, to get some perspective on why he said that, he said, when we run the ball decent, let's just say 100 yards per game. When we protect him decent, not great, just decent. He plays really well. I've said this a bunch. When, uh, when we don't, he doesn't play well, like every other quarterback in the country. And that's what frustrates me to a certain extent for him. I'm curious about your thoughts on uh, Mike Gundy calling Spencer the uh, most underrated quarterback in the country and, and some of his reasoning there. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a coach going to bat for his guy, which I appreciate. And Spencer Sanders has been pretty good to Mike Gundy. I mean, last year was good for Oklahoma State. You look at an 8-1 and one conference season. Now, look, you can't get the last yard in the Big 12 championship game, but first team all Big 12. Uh, Spencer Sanders has been very good to Mike Gundy. He's been very loyal to Mike Gundy and to Oklahoma State, even throughout, you know, a couple of injuries and a, a segment of the fan base wanting him replaced, stuff like that. He, he's been loyal to Coach Gundy, and Coach Gundy has been loyal to him. I do think he's a little bit underrated, Carson. People really, really like to, to single out the bad games. I mean, the, the two Baylor games last year, you know, people love to talk about the two Baylor games and talk about Spencer and the turnovers and stuff. I mean, how many games did they play last year? 14? Yeah, played 14 games last year. And you want to single out the two the two Baylor games? They don't win Bedlam if not for a spectacular individual second-half performance from that guy. It's A lot of things went into that, but Spencer Sanders was a big part of it. I do tend to think that he's a little bit underrated, Carson. And I, I don't know if we're ranking Big 12 quarterbacks coming into this season based on what we know about them. I mean, I think you're you're probably putting Spencer Sanders at one. Uh, you can't put Quinn Ewers there yet, based just on recruiting rankings. And Dylan Gabriel, I, I'm I'm hesitant to put him ahead of Spencer Sanders because he has played against that lower level of competition. 
Yeah, I certainly agree with that. And you're right. Like this all centers really on those two Baylor games you mentioned. He had he had seven interceptions in two games against Baylor. Every other game after that, or every other game besides the two Baylor games, he had five interceptions total. So really, it was just kind of a you know just when it <laughs> when the snowball got going downhill, it, it really rolled when in terms of turnovers and, and those two big spots. But I thought Spencer grew a lot last year. I really did. And I think what, what Mike really hit on, to me, I think we don't talk about enough with Spencer. The offensive lines he's played behind simply have not been good, to, to borderline terrible. And you just put and, – and this is such it's so easy, and I, I get caught up in this too. I'm not absolved from, from being on the other side of this. But, like, we get so caught up in quarterbacks and their numbers and their wins-loss records. And we don't look at their ability to run the football, which obviously takes pressure off the quarterback. We don't make excuses for a porous offensive line. But if you had to put Brandon Whedon himself behind the, the, the offensive lines that Spencer Sanders has played behind, he, he's not Brandon Whedon. I mean, Brandon Whedon played for one of the best offensive lines, if not the best, in the history of the school. I mean, he was Russell Okung anchoring the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. And Levy Adcock was a first team all american at tackle as well like he had dudes uh, uh grant garner uh at center all all big 12 first team i mean brandon played behind some elite offensive lines and, he, and he'd be the first one to tell you that and so i do think spencer is underrated from that aspect when when oklahoma state ran the football effectively and when they blocked well spencer was great second half of the of the big of the uh bedlam game he was he was sensational now he did I, having said all that, for uh, first into the first half against Oklahoma last year in Bedlam, he throws the pick six, nearly threw another pick six against Oklahoma in the second half. He is not without his turnover-prone issues. I grant you that. But I do agree with Mike that we tend to focus solely on those and not on the talent around him like we do sometimes with other quarterbacks. That's, that's, that's something I can really get behind what Mike going to be saying. Yeah, I think you made a lot of good points there. The offensive lines, especially, it's it's been a, a struggle at that position for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's twenty four and eight in the thirty two games that Spencer Sanders has started in his career. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, especially for a guy with some turnover issues. Because again, Carson, what what you always have to come back to with Spencer Sanders is. He's going to give you more throughout the course of a season. He, he might have a game like he had against Baylor. The, the Baylor games were bad. A couple of years ago, the Tech game, you can point those out. But over the course of a season, for a team like Oklahoma State, he is going to give you more than he's going to take away from you as an offense. And, and there are going to be a couple of Saturdays where you just leave the stadium and, man, it just – it hurts, and, and, and you don't understand what happened to him that day. But, but before you have another one of those, you're going to have seven or eight where it's like, man, Spencer was solid today. What do you end up with? 85 yards rushing, a couple of touchdowns, good game. And, and that's just kind of what he is. And, and last year, we got the best version of that. Uh, now, it, it reared its ugly head at the worst time in the Big 12 championship game, but that was also against what I think was one of the best defenses in the country. So best defense in the country, struggles on the offensive line, injuries on the offensive line, injuries at running back, injuries everywhere. You know, a bad game happens from time to time whenever you play good defenses who know how to scheme around what guys are good at. Uh, but I, I love Spencer Sanders, and I, I really am excited to watch him, Carson, uh, this year at Oklahoma State because I think he and Casey Dunn have started to understand each other a little better, uh, and I think that that was never more evident than in that bowl game against Notre Dame. 
Yeah, man, they they lit it up there in the second half. That's that's something to really get excited about coming into this year. And you mentioned Baylor's defense, which I'll hit on when we talk about kind of the Big 12 standings. But they, they made a lot of people look foolish. Caleb Williams in Oklahoma, they made look silly. They made Matt Corral before he got injured in the Sugar Bowl look absolutely silly. So I, I think I think Baylor deserves a lot of credit for the way Spencer played in those games. And certainly the supporting cast of Spencer deserves some blame as well. I but I do want to touch on this before we get to kind of the Big 12, you know, ballot being sent out to the media. A uh, friend of the plot, Adam Lunt, tweeted out some interesting things about, you know, Oklahoma's, Oklahoma State's win total in Vegas is eight and a half wins, uh, which is way up from where, you know, they usually just throw out about seven, seven and a half in Vegas. Clearly, the respect for Sanders returning is, is a factor. And he, he posted some interesting numbers here, Colby. I want to get your take on it. The, the overall records for Mike Gundy, with a starting quarterback returning, he has a 77% uh, winning percentage. Without a starting quarterback returning, he has a 58% winning percentage, which I think, you know, Mike, we, we've talked so much about his resume and, and the fact that he, what he's done at Oklahoma State, but, like, we don't really emphasize, like, that's despite those numbers. with Like, without an incumbent quarterback, he still has found ways to, to piecemeal it together a lot of the times. And, and Lunt also posted a, a – the winning percentages for each quarterback returning, like Zach Robinson, Mason Rudolph, Spencer Sanders, their winning percentage has progressed every single year. And ironically, Mason and Zach tied their exact winning percentage uh, their last year as they before uh, as their year before that last year. So <laughs> Sanders goes 0.615 winning percentage, 0.727 to all the way to 0.857 last year. It's going to be really hard to keep that trend continuing to where they at least match or better their winning percentages. But I just think, Colby, again, it shows that having a guy like Spencer coming back to the fold, like it's just it's so crucial and so key for your, for your overall team success. Yeah, it is. I read that same Twitter thread that you did from Adam Lund, who does a great job uh, giving some, out some great stats and numbers for Oklahoma State football on Twitter. If you're not following him, you definitely should be. Uh, yeah, I mean, just showing the increasing win winning percentages for Spencer, that's going to be really hard to keep going after a 12-2 and two season and you lose uh, several, several guys defensively and offensively. Tay Martin was a big part of the offense a year ago, so we'll see uh, what happens with the winning percentage there. But the numbers on starting quarterbacks returning versus not, I mean, nearly a 20% win percentage difference who that is uh that is big time versus having a, a returning quarterback and not and whenever you think about it I mean Rudolph a few years that's great stuff Whedon for that that year was great um who else am I thinking about here even Zach Robinson back in the day coming back but then you have the, the off years where you have to try to figure something out corndog goes six and six uh even Spencer didn't Spencer in his first season go six and six or am I misremembering so uh yeah oh returning God, quarterbacks yeah. huge yeah, it's 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 critical. And I think that leads us to the discussion of, you know, Big 12 media days are the earliest I can ever remember. They're like July 13th and 14th, I believe. The first wow. year I haven't been there. Obviously, COVID knocked it out for a year, but I've been going every year since. Gosh, the first year I was there was pretty great, Colby. It was 2008. You had Colt McCoy, Sam Bradford, Chase Daniel, Todd Reesing, you know, like just quarterbacks galore. Now, now hardly any team brings a damn quarterback to Big 12 media days, which I think put a real damper on it, but. Oh, it is. Carson, I've been once, and it was a few years ago, uh, whenever I was working for the franchise here, me and John Hoover went down and it was one of those where like none of the schools brought their marquee guys. And 
I'll be honest with you. I, I was really excited for Big 12 Media Days. I got down there. It was cool to experience it, and it was a lot of fun. But I left saying, man, I don't know if I'd want to do this every year. This, this would kind of be a burden to just come, come down here and talk to an, an occasional right guard and a, and a second-string linebacker. I, I don't know. I, I really wish that uh, teams would take all their big dogs to Big 12 Media Days still. Yeah, it's to me, if I'm the Big 12 as a, as a conference you know, commissioner, I'm strongly suggesting to demanding you bring the highest profile guys. Cause what is it? It's is sports center going to run a hit on Oklahoma state. If they don't bring Spencer Sanders or, you know, let's go back years ago, Brandon Whedon or Justin Blackman. Of course they're not. And you need all the attention you can get as the big 12. And so it's, it's been a disturbing trend the last several years of them bringing guards and linebackers, like you mentioned, but that, Again, it's just it's a sign that the season is getting closer and closer, and we'll be here before we know it. The Big 12 Media Days is coming up. And with that in mind, the Big 12 ballots have been sent out to the media who will be attending in terms of all Big 12 first-team votes, newcomer of the year, offensive and defensive player of the year, and, of course, the all-important preseason poll team standings. And I, while that's obviously it's a preseason poll, it doesn't mean anything, I, I am always fascinated by how people will rank the teams coming into a year with so many unknowns so i ask you colby while we're here how would you rank let's just say the top five i don't care about tech and kansas and and tcu so much but how would you rank the top five of the big 12 coming into 2022 all right let's start at five and work our way up so at five i'm gonna go with the austin texas uh longhorns Five and seven, I don't think it's going to happen again. I also don't think that they're going to win the league. Quinn Ewers is just such a wild card. I, I think that he really makes the just all of Texas football a huge wild card. I mean, if he comes out and he's like a legit star and you start to see that early on in the season, okay, then, then maybe we'll need to kind of revamp our predictions a little bit. But right now, I'm going to conservatively put Texas at five. At number four, Carson, I'm going to go Kansas State. And I don't know if that'll surprise people or not. Kansas State actually finished fifth in the conference last year. Hear me out. Hear me out. They finished fifth in the conference last year, Carson. One of the teams that finished ahead of them was Iowa State. I expect Iowa State to regress this year. Kansas State brings in a veteran quarterback in Adrian Martinez, who, yes, I know Nebraska went three and nine last year. They lost all nine games by a touchdown. It was ridiculous, crazy, weird. I think Martinez is a pretty good player. He's experienced, and I think that he is an absolute perfect fit to what Kansas State wants to do. Kansas State was eight and five a year ago I think they go something similar in 2022 so I'll take Kansas State at fourth at three Carson I'm gonna go with the Baylor Bears I like me some Dave Aranda uh, I think that they'll have a good defense that's what he does and they are good at it also like Blake Shapen I think he'll be a pretty good player I don't think they win as many close games as they won a year ago so I'll have Baylor at three I'll put OU at two Obviously, a lot has gone on in the offseason for Oklahoma. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think, is going to be a good player, not a great player. I do think it is a little bit of a downgrade at quarterback from Caleb Williams. Uh, and, and the Venables thing, don't know. He's never been a coach. They've got the talent. It, it's still OU's conference. I know that they weren't there last year, but they've run it for the better part of the last 20 years. So I'm going to put OU at two. Carson, I've got Oklahoma State at number one, and I actually wrote down four reasons. Are you ready for my four reasons why I am picking Oklahoma State at number one, and it's not just a homer pick. I, I absolutely love it. I would love to hear it. All right, four reasons. Here we go. Reason number one, Brock Martin. Reason number two, Tyler Lacey. Reason number three, Colin Oliver. And reason number four, Trace 
Ford. Those four guys, Carson, are going to be a nightmare for opposing offenses to deal with. There's going to be nothing there up front. You are going to get demolished at the line of scrimmage by what Oklahoma State's bringing at you defensively, which is going to allow the back end of Oklahoma State's defense to have success as well. I I just think you have that much talent on the D-line, and you bring the first-team All-Big 12 quarterback back. I I don't know, man. A lot of continuity there. I just – those four guys on the defensive line, the the, the more I looked into this, the more I could not pick them to finish second. It's a really great point because as I was kind of going through mine, I just would fall back on that that narrative of, well, man, OSU lost so much on defense and, and no one really, really puts into perspective what trace Ford was to that defense before he got hurt. This guy was a legit big 12 defensive player of the year candidate coming into the year before he got hurt and you get him back. All the other names you mentioned, Lacey's back, all those guys that, that can rush the quarterback. I think sometimes we, we meaning, the public at large is focusing too much on what Oklahoma state lost on defense and not enough on, on everyone you just mentioned. That's coming back. That is going to be an absolute terror for quarterbacks in this league. So I, I cannot fault you for your rankings. And I, I love the point you made there. Cause that's, that's totally true. Their D line Colby should be able to get after just about everybody. Yeah. And that makes, you know, I am worried about the losses of Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper. Don't, don't misconstrue this to think that I'm not worried about that. Sure guys on the back end i'm worried about linebackers and and secondary but man when you're that good up front it makes those guys lives so much easier on the back end so uh yeah i'm going with finally carson finally i think we get the bedlam rematch in arlington i might be with you because uh you want to go through my rankings now yeah let's do it hit me um i i do like your point about kansas state uh, I like Adrian Martinez. It was a compelling argument, was not? It was a compelling argument. I think four is a little high. Did you have Texas five? I had Texas five, Kansas State four. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on K-State. I'm going to put them five because I had no idea, zero clues what to do with Iowa State. I mean, they lose Brees Hall, Brock Purdy. That's been their, that's been their franchise for seemingly like eight years. And they do get Will McDonald back on the uh, the defensive line, who I think has been just a sensational player that didn't get talked about a whole lot. But I'm going to go Kansas State. I, I like the coach, Rich Kleiman. Uh, I like Kleiman, what he's doing there in Manhattan. I, I love – I don't love – I like Adrian Martinez. He had a chance to win in Norman at Nebraska last year. So I, I put my faith in Kleiman and, and that quarterback coming in with that experience he has. I put them five. I am going to put Texas four. I'm not – totally buying Texas. I'm not going to buy into the hype that they're going to win the league just like you aren't. I will say they did lose a lot of close games last year. They weren't just completely embarrassing like they have been under Tom Herman and in, in some of those losses. They were competitive. Now, they did lose to Kansas at home, so I can't put them any higher than four, and I don't give a shit how good Quinn Ewers is. They got a lot of issues that they need to solve before I put them any higher, so I'm putting Texas there. And, of course, this is a, where it always gets interesting this, this year with Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State. I'm putting Oklahoma three. And the reason Ooh, being – party time. <laughs> the reason being, it's like – and we're all guilty of this. They're Oklahoma. They've owned this league for so long. They've owned college football for a long time. Do people just forget 
them getting absolutely pushed around by Tulane, getting pushed around by Kansas, Baylor physically demoralizing them, Oklahoma State demoralizing them on special teams and with their defense. And that's when they had Caleb Williams playing quarterback. Like, I like Dylan Gabriel. I think he's had a really good career. He's, he's proven himself at, at, the, at, the, at this level of college football. It's different playing the Big 12, man. And they lost some really good players on defense, on a defense that had played better, but a defense that, frankly, didn't get enough stops when it mattered. And I do like Brent Venables. I think he's going to do an outstanding job. You don't coach under Dabo for a decade, Bob Stoops and Bill Snyder, and not know what the heck you're doing, regardless of being a head coach or not. He's going to do a great job. I just don't think he can do it well enough in year one to get past Baylor and Oklahoma State. I, I just don't. Now, they do get – Oklahoma does get Baylor and Oklahoma State at home. That, that matters. We saw that last year. Baylor got Oklahoma at home. They beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma State got Oklahoma at home. They beat Oklahoma. So that, that matters. But I, I just – there's too many holes. There's too many unknowns for me to put Oklahoma above Oklahoma State and Baylor because these two programs, they lost some talent. We all know that. But I'm going to put Oklahoma State, too, in my rankings because they have to go to Baylor and they have to go to Norman, kind of in line with what I was saying. That's fair. I love Sanders coming back. I think Mike Gundy, he knows what he's doing on offense. I'm not worried about the offense. They're going to run the football. Sanders is going to do his thing. I think it only helps that Dunn's back for another year to get more comfortable with Sanders. I think the defense is going to be just fine with, with Mason. I don't think they're going to have some huge drop-off. All the talent you mentioned matters. I just have a lot of respect for what I saw out of Dave Aranda last year. I'm putting Baylor one. And if you had told Carson back when Baylor was basically Kansas and when I was in college, <laughs> like if you had told me back then I'd be ranking Baylor number one in the Big 12, I would have had me committed. But you just saw what he 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 absolutely demolished Oklahoma and Oklahoma State their offenses. He, he proved so much to me with his schemes. He gets quarterbacks uncomfortable. He's able to put pressure on them at the right times. We saw that with some of the interceptions that Sanders was throwing. Same with Caleb Williams. I just have the utmost respect for Dave Aranda. I, I, he blew me away last year and I liked Matt rule a ton, but I think he's even surpassed Matt rule. Now the caveat here is the whole Blake Shapin. Uh, quarterback issue if he gets hurt it's it's all for not of course you can say that about D Dylan Gabriel or Spencer Sanders as well but I do think the depth losing um, our boy Jerry Gary to the transfer portal that's going to hurt them but I don't know man I just I like what I've seen from Dave Aranda and I think it was no fluke what he did in the Big 12 title game to Oklahoma State same what he did to Oklahoma I'm putting Baylor one so that's I'm going Baylor one Oklahoma State two Oklahoma three and I I fully expect uh, Brent Venables to shove it up my rear end come uh, <laughs> come next December. Uh, I think that's a very real possibility. I don't know. I don't think Carson, since the Big Twelve has brought back the championship game, I don't think we've had consecutive years with the same matchup in Arlington. So if your if your prediction were to hold true, it would be the first year of that with Oklahoma State and Baylor. But I love everything you said about Dave Aranda. I am so fond of Dave Aranda. It uh, man, he's such a good head coach, and, and Baylor's got themselves a good one. I had not. 
been back south, Carson, and seen McLean Stadium uh, until we went to Austin a couple of weeks ago. Drove past it. It's really nice-looking stadium. Got the water running right through there. I will say the uh, construction and traffic getting through Waco, uh, it, it puts a stain on the entire town and the entire university. It takes entirely too long to get through Waco, Carson. I've been saying that for about a decade because I used to, <laughs> I, my best friend lives in Austin. I've driven through there a million times. And it's been like that before that stadium even existed. I don't know what it is about Waco, but it's the seventh circle of hell. But I'm glad you mentioned that. Like uh, Scott Drew posted a video on Twitter this week, and it, it was just kind of a pan from like the, the water through the, the Baylor football stadium. And it's just, it's kind of amazing what that athletic department has become based on when, like I mentioned, when I was in college, they were an embarrassment to the league. They, they had no business even being in the big 12, but the governor got them in cause she was a Baylor alum, but you see that stadium they've built and the money they've pumped into the head coaching hires, like a Dave Aranda, like that matters, man. They're, they're here to stay. I think it's Oklahoma state and Baylor's conference moving forward. Once Oklahoma's out of here. So I, I, I like your rankings. I like mine and uh, we'll have to wait and see, but, uh, I can't fault you for your rankings at all. No, you either. I think uh, those are pretty good way too early rankings. Are these way too early rankings, Carson? Or now that we're in June, almost July, is this just too early rankings? At what point do you go from way too early to too early? It's a preseason poll for the preseason poll. We'll call it that. <laughs> Fair enough. I uh, like it. Mike Gundy had some also some interesting quotes about just how the league's going to play faster, He, in his opinion. And, I, you know, Mike Gundy – he is way smarter than, than people give him credit for. I've said this many times on this podcast. Like he's been kind of a visionary for where the sport is going. A lot of times, like 18 playoff, he mentioned years ago, even before OSU got hosed. He, he just, he's very smart when it comes to not only football, but just the, the landscape of football itself. And I've been kind of waiting on this Colby because, you know, the big 12 was such a, you know, basketball on grass type league with, you know, the spread offenses and everyone running no huddle. Everything's cyclical. Last year, inexperienced quarterbacks in some teams, everyone kind of ran the football and played good defense. He's kind of anticipating with some of the coaching hires in the Big 12, everyone's going to start playing fast again, which I kind of thought Oklahoma State should do more. You and I have talked about that. I think that helps Spencer kind of just quit thinking so much and more reactionary. I, what do you think of my goodness comments on uh, the Big 12 speeding things up like, like in the glory days? I like it, Carson. Look, college football is cyclical. The Big 12 was slow, and then the Big 12 got insanely fast to the point that it barely resembled uh, football back in, like, 2016. It looked more like flag football than actual football, and then the Big 12 slowed down, and the defenses started taking over. Maybe we're starting to see a shift. TCU hired Sonny Dykes. Uh, Joey McGuire was hired at Texas Tech. His background is more defensive, but he hired Zach Kiltley as his offensive coordinator. He came from Western Kentucky. Last year, they averaged more than 44 points per game. Game, second in all of college football. Uh, and then Jeff Levy gets brought in by Brent Venables down at Oklahoma. He's played the uh, the fast-paced offense uh, down at Ole Miss. And I think that Oklahoma State will do a little bit more of that with Casey Dunn and Spencer Sanders starting to become uh, more familiar with each other. I think we're going to see some more of the offensive scheme that we saw against OU, uh, particularly in the second half and then against Notre Dame, where they just get out and go and let Spencer run a little bit and uh, go score some points. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the return of some speed to the Big 12. Yeah, I'm here for it too. And I, I think it's going to happen. And I, I always kind of wondered back then, why teams didn't, you know, I always thought Iowa State and Kansas back when they were back before Iowa State got good, just 
they should just run like the triple option against all these spread, you know, spread them out type teams with, you know, fast, small linebackers and just totally zig while everyone else is zagging. So it sounds like the rest of the league is going to start zigging together again. And I, I think Mike's right. And I, I, again, I just don't think Mike gets enough credit for how smart he is. You know, he gets, he gets a lot of flack for the mullet and his dancing and, you know, all his, his zaniness, I guess we'll say, but I, I do think, you don't get in the position Mike's in and have the success that he's had without being really sharp and really smart. And I, I think that was a, I think that was a really sharp statement of him. And I think that's a very predictive, uh, that's a prediction I think is going to come true this year and something that will lead to more five hour games that we were, we were tired of seeing back when Mike Leach was in, in the conference. But uh, did you see Arch Manning commits to Texas? What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, He's committed to Texas. We'll see if he ends up playing for Texas. Quinn Ewers is down there. We'll see how good of a year Quinn Ewers has. It's obviously big news for Texas to get Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. You, you kind of hope that one of those guys both stays and hits and uh, ends up being the guy. Sarkeesian has had some success with some quarterbacks. 6'4", 215 uh, in his high school career. He's thrown for 6,307 yards. 81 touchdowns and he's run for 19 more touchdowns in three seasons count them 81 plus 19 100 touchdowns uh for arch manning who is not the son of peyton manning or the son of eli manning he's the son of cooper manning so he is the nephew uh of the two hall of fame quarterbacks are they in the hall of fame yet in the hall of fame soon to be hall of fame uh, they will yeah, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he ends up playing at Texas. That's I'm kind of pessimistic in modern college football. But uh, if he does, I don't see any reason to, to, think, to think that he wouldn't be a star. Uh, so if he winds up playing for Texas, it's a huge get. It's June 23rd. I'm predicting on June 23rd, 2022, Arch Manning ends up at Georgia, not Texas. Like, there's no way this kid's not going to the SEC. I'm sorry. I know Texas eventually is going to be there. Arch is going to want to wait on it. He's going to watch – Texas do what they always do and I think he's going to decommit and go somewhere else so I'm not I'm not fired up about it at all if I'm a if if I'm being honest I look at us being pessimist today he and look he may be Peyton Manning he may be Eli or he might be Cooper <laughs> his dad uh to me it just it, it just it's not fair to him at all but it, it just reminds me so much of Chris Sims you know that the son of Phil five-star all everything and what did Texas do? They benched Major Applewhite, who was coming off Offensive Player of the Year, first team All Big 12 quarterback season, the year before he was Freshman of the Year in the Big 12. And Mac Brown sold his soul for Chris Sims. And I'm curious <laughs> if Quinn Ewers lights it up this year, how that plays out. It, to me, it's a little Chris Simsy, a little, little deja vu for me. I can see that. Hopefully, look, I don't really care what happens with Texas. They're going to go to the SEC at some point. I don't expect, expect them to be great anytime between now and then in the Big 12. But I am a little bit fascinated with what's going to happen next year if Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning wind up in the same quarterback room. Uh, bullets and BBs, what do you got this week? Bullets and BBs, Carson, my bullet. Let's just rewind here to Sunday at the U.S. Open when there was exactly one Oklahoma State Cowboy on the golf course, Carson. It was Sam Stevens. Sam Stevens, the APT's own, uh, makes the cut Sunday 75. So he reeled a bit on Sunday, a T49 finish after having to go through local uh, sectional, all the qualifying for the U.S. Open, gets in, only Oklahoma State Cowboy to make the cut, finishes inside the top 50. Uh, nice little payday for him there as well. I think it was like 45000 uh, for a T49 finish at this year's U.S. Open. So a uh, big shout out to Sam Stevens playing some great golf. I mentioned him. I brought him up on the pod. Yep. That's that's a, that's a great call by you. 
Uh, let's see here. Who do I want to go with? I'm going to go with, for my bullet, I had one picked out, and I can't, I can't remember quite who it was. Uh, you have your BB while I think. I do have my BB, yes. I do have my BB, Carson. Uh, my BB is... I don't want to give it to the entire state of Nebraska. I don't want to give it to the entire city of Omaha. Um, I don't even want to give it to the entire college world series. I'm just going to give it specifically to the opponents of Oklahoma. Carson, I can't handle their baseball team winning a national championship. I can't do it. Oklahoma state's the better program. Oklahoma state's dumped all the money and resources in OU baseball has been an afterthought forever in Norman. And they're going on this magical Cinderella run. They've got all their pitching saved up while Arkansas and Ole Miss kill each other for two days in the heat. I can't handle them winning a national championship in baseball, Carson. So I'm giving my BB to all of Oklahoma's opponents in Omaha. Y'all need to figure it out because my life's going to be a little miserable on the day that Oklahoma inevitably wins this championship. Yeah, it's not great. It's not, it's not great. great at all. I'm not liking it. Uh, my bullet is going to go to Spencer Sanders for all the reasons we talked <laughs> about. Todd. I think that's a good one. Uh, I'm really excited to see him this year. I think He's as much of any reason to pick Oklahoma State to win the league. Again, you just five interceptions in any game not named Baylor last year. I think he's poised for, for a big year. And uh, my BB's going to go to Doug Gottlieb. I, I put him in a locker once Steph Curry <laughs> won the uh, NBA Finals. Had to do it. He brought it up. And then he had the audacity to say that Steph and KD were on the same floor in the Olympics three times, and KD was the guy when Steph Curry has literally never played in the Olympics. That was his reason. Oh, that's big yikes. That's big so that yikes. Was, That's uh, not great. Little, little OSU on OSU crime there on Twitter. Yeah, I know. So hey, he he brought the smoke, and I had to I had to extinguish it. So I think I did yeah. that. So I'll, I'll oh. give him a BB for trying to say Steph's played in three Olympics when he's played in zero. Yeah, he did. Some people, <laughs> he's busy winning any NBA titles, Doug. Yeah, Some something Kevin cannot both. do when he's the main guy, <laughs> which was the whole point. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet that night. I said, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Durant, Aaron Wiggins, the role players change, but Steph is constant. Exactly. Yep, nailed it. All right, uh, cool. Yep, NBA draft tonight. Great stuff. Appreciate everybody listening. We're back next week. Go Pokes.